Hey everyone, welcome back to Vida by Design. This is Hector Prado. My name is Cesar Balboa. And welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, guys. <laughs> I hope you're all having a great day. Um, weather has been crazy lately, but yeah. I love it. It's cold, it's hot, it's raining, it's cloudy. It's weird. It's, it's sunny. <laughs> uh, birds are chirping. Everything's beautiful. There's geese. Well, there's geese all around my, my work, so. What's a geese? A goose. Oh. Geese is oh. like the plural. Yeah. 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 <laughs> English is my fourth language, people. <laughs> be patient with me. Uh -huh. All right. So, uh, yeah, today's episode, we're going to be, uh, it's titled Roots and Roots, A Journey to the States. Basically, we're going to be giving our insights mm -hmm. of how it was um, growing up in Mexico and then coming to the United States yeah. and how that has evolved. So I'm super stoked about <laughs> this uh, episode. Stoked. <laughs> Don't, hey, just say exciting. Uh, I, I searched or, it up. Or just, I mean, I know it is exciting. I mean, we're talking about things we've never talked about. I think that's why it's exciting. Yeah. And that's okay. But like, I don't know. Maybe we do need to... Uh, not That's advanced. why I said hey, what is it? advanced our vocabulary. That's why I said stoked. Okay. So let's start with the get to know me segment. Okay. So first off, would you rather travel to the jungle or travel to the desert? Jungle. I don't know. Not the desert. Unless there's like a nice resort in the desert. But No, this is like the open like jungle. Like open, open. Why would anyone want to go to the desert? It's just a question. No sense. Um, jungle. Yeah. Just because. Yeah. It, there's the forest. There's trees. There's rain. There's snakes. There's tigers. <laughs> tigers. Um, screw the snakes. <laughs> I'm going to a jungle uh, that does doesn't have any snakes. If you know any, please let us know. Yeah, I would like that. Um, <laughs> elephants. Isn't that safari? Oh, <laughs> Africa. Are elephants in the jungle? I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> definitely jungle. Jungle, just more, more. Life. There's more water. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Like deserts, yeah. No. yeah. There's more jungle. water. Yeah. So I will agree upon that. I would rather do the jungle than the desert, even though I don't do well with cold and water. It's not my thing. It's humid though. It's not cold. Cold. It's not like oh, winter okay, I cold. Guess. I guess that's a, that makes a difference. But I'd rather do that than a desert where yeah. there's like nothing in our water. Yeah, there's just sand and snakes and snakes and alacranes um, and you said alacran. I don't know how do you say alacran in English. Alacran. Come <laughs> 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 now, <Alacrana> transformer. <laughs> Is it scorp it's Scorpio, right? Scorpio. It's a Scorpio. Scorpiones. Oh, okay. See, then what's an alacran? Alacran are the like the the smaller ones. I don't know. I'm, I'm you guys gonna have know? to pull it up. You guys, audience, do you guys know? Alacran in English. It is a scorpion. Scorpion. Huh. So is scorpion just a second name for an alacran? I guess so. Scorpion in English. Scorpion. Yeah, I see. Hmm. What is the difference between a scorpion and a alacran? It is so-called because it is shaped as a scorpion. Many Mexican people use the word alacran for the smaller, most venomous species of scorpion, which are very common in Mexico. Um. While, while the word scorpion 
Escorpión is used to describe the larger, darker, and less venomous venomous species. So, so the smaller it is, the more poisonous um, the mm-hmm. alacrán mm-hmm. is, the bigger it is, and darker, um, the less venomous ven- veneno has. So in English, it's just a scorpion. But yes. in Spanish, we there's decided alacrán to alacrán and there's escorpión. Okay. Alacrán are more dangerous than escorpión are. Well, that's something you learned today. Me too. Yeah, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so would you rather have a nice house or a nice car? Can I sleep in my car? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my answer is a car because... No, I think... I don't know. That's a, that's a weird one. Because like, it's like, I'm I don't wanna... have a nice car, but a 1999 <laughs> Honda, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Hondas last forever, just saying. Or I might have a 2024 <laughs> Ferrari, but live in a trailer park. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think No shame I just, on that, by the way. Yes, <laughs> I say nice car because I grew up where my car situation was not very well. Mm. So I would say I wouldn't want a reliable vehicle than a nice house for me it would be the house mm-hmm. and it would be the house just because a house when it's nice and when it can be the center for a lot of people to gather mm-hmm. whether it's family whether it's friends close friends that you have and then i'm okay with having a basic sedan in a two three million dollar home mm-hmm. like me personally i'm okay with that yeah and, um, and maybe i typed the the question wrong because when i thought about it i'm like well i don't need a big house i've never liked huge houses right and that so that for me it's like i can make a studio nice and i think it also comes to the fact that you relocated a lot as a child Mm -hmm. so it's i don't think you see a home as a permanent location no i believe you see a home as i'm gonna leave here two or three years and then I'm going to move again mm-hmm. and then move again and move again because that's that's your pattern that you have as yeah. a child. I'm ready to move. You ready to move, babe? Let's go. Bolita. Anyways, uh, toilet paper, <laughs> under or over? The big debate. Oh. Have you done, have you read about this or have mm-hmm. you ever, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you feel about that? I, I like it over. Okay. Just because I don't like, I don't like to do this when I'm reaching out for toilet paper. I want to do this. <laughs> like, I just want to pull it. I don't want to have there to. There you go. There's the words. I was like, baby, can't see your, your hand. Oh, motions. sorry, guys. <laughs> the audio. The <laughs> our audio audience. Yes. Can't. So I don't like to go under to pull the toilet paper. I like it when it's over because I can just pull it down. Yeah. Instead of having to reach under it. See, and then for me, I think I'd rather do the under. Because I can roll it up easier. But when you pull it, it's just like you pull it. So you fold it, pull it and fold it. Yeah. From under. Like like you grab it from under and then you roll it and then you pull it and it's still under. Bro, it's the same shit. I know. <laughs> we don't pay attention <laughs> yeah. to it. But it's a big debate out there in the world. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, no, but yeah, for me, it's I mean, I'm not going to make a big fuss of it's. Yeah, under and be like, hey, babe, what the heck? Why did you put the toilet paper like this in my bathroom? Like, no, I'm whatever, however it is, I'll just go with it. Yeah, me it's, too. it's not a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, vampires or werewolf, what would you be? I think I'd rather be a vampire because I don't want to shape shift. Hmm. That means you would live forever. 
forever and ever and ever. But still look young. But still. Well, it depends when you become a vampire. Still look like a 17-year-old. Well, it depends because what if you <laughs> if I turn a vampire into, when you're 60 years old? If I turn into a vampire right now, your ass is going to look people, all saggy like that. People still say that I look 25, which I am okay with. And I believe that. So I think it's because we're drinking our greens. <laughs> Crystal, I'm drinking greens. <laughs> So, yes. With my gut powder thingy. It's really bomb, by the way. Oh, know. and collagen. I added my collagen in there, too. And that's all you... You don't put no flavor to it? Well, the greens, the collagen, and the gut health. Oh, no. I still need flavor. Powder. Oh, on this one, I added the meal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I squirted uh, some of it. The green one. Mm-hmm. It's actually really good. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, fruity. Yeah. Side note. Um, so, yeah. So Vampire, for me, I'm gonna live forever and look 25 forever. How about you? Hmm. Team Jacob, Team Edward. See, I wouldn't want to be a werewolf because of the smell of it. Like, if you get wet, you're gonna smell like a wet dog, and that's disgusting. <laughs> so for me, it would be a vampire. Okay. A vampire. Uh, but it depends too, though, on what age I would turn a vampire. Because if I turn age 60. I might as well just become a werewolf and call it even. Like, we're good. But if I become a vampire before 45, then I can still look good for the rest of my life like that. Yeah. So I guess it depends on what age of my life I would turn into that. Have you you ever seen True Blood? No. Have you ever seen any vampire TV shows? Okay, never mind. Let's see. Would you rather be an Edward vampire or a... What's the difference? vampire well like edward vampires like you glow in the excuse me you glow in the sun you don't glow you or whatever or whatever like diamonds (laughs) you shine in the sun or would you rather be a vampire from like vampire diaries like damon or stefan where you burn in the sun and die oh gotcha so you're literally like a night person. Oh. But they have these special rings for, created by witches that they can walk in the sun. Kind of like a protection, protection shield mm-hmm. type of thing. That's interesting. You know what? That's true. How come Edward doesn't burn in the sun and it's all fucking like shining like diamonds and shit like that? Because it's twilight. <laughs> I don't mean. <laughs> okay. Anywho. So. Getting to the main topic of the episode. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your childhood growing up as a Latino. What are some of the cultural influences that really shape who you are today? Okay. So I grew up in TJ slash Americanized city, right? It's a very Americanized city for six years. Mm -hmm. But even with that distinction that TJ is very uh, Americanized, there's still a lot of very cultural differences. So, like, over there, you're very open. Like, open in a sense of, like, you can walk to the store because it's in the, around the corner. There's a bunch of stores everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Transportation's not really, not to say it's not necessary. People, people walk there more. Um, is there a bus system? Yes, there is. Is it not as, not? I want to say strict, but, like, there's something about being over there that doesn't feel like time is running out, whereas here it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. But 
culturally, when you, when I moved over here and had that shift and change, it was a lot more strict. So I feel like I had a shift on as a kid because I came when I was about six or seven. I had to make this change of. That's question number two. Your. Oh, well, I was still trying to answer number one, but I guess. I got yeah, but you're going to number two. You haven't answered the actual question. Okay. So growing up Latino, I was Latino and I grew up. Sorry, that completely, <laughs> completely changed my <laughs> rewind. <laughs> rewind. What were some of the cultural influences that really shape who you are today? So I would say religious wise is that's one big culture because Mexico is considered a Catholic country. So one of those I always grew up like with, especially me being gay, it was such a bad thing, which shifted me to be a person to be more standoffish, to not really um, interact with people. I hid who I was, and it was just very... I don't think I was ever a really happy child, sad to say. It was more like, I have to get through this. So I always felt like I was in survivor mode. And I didn't realize I was in survivor mode up until I was like 25, mm -hmm. where I was like, oh shit, I've been in survivor mode for like almost 30 years. Because of influences um like like the religion part because my mom is catholic right and then also influence of like society where even in the late 90s early 2000s even even being gay during that time it was still very difficult mm -hmm. um, it wasn't up until like the later 20 you know like the later 2000s like 20 like 2008 2009 2010 when things started to get a lot better for our community on that aspect but yeah so i would say religion is a, one of those big influences who, who shaped the way i was as the religion person. part of the it. religion part of it mm -hmm. nice for me it's food it shaped me <laughs> it gave me a round <laughs> shape <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm telling you i have jokes today <laughs> <laughs> no really though it it was it has been food yeah just because food has actually helped me explore different type of cuisines when it came to in the mexican culture mm -hmm. because there's like every state has a similar dish prepared different mm -hmm. right so like mole every what Every state in Mexico state. has a different way to prepare food, like mole, for example. Mm -hmm. Mole in Michoacán is different than mole from Oaxaca. Mole in Michoacán is more spicy, kind of like the, the one that you like. Mm -hmm. In Oaxaca, it's a little bit more sweeter and it's darker. Mm -hmm. So it's just the, the cultural the cuisine in, in Mexico, it's, it's just so broad, but then at the same time, it ties in all together. Mm -hmm. um, tacos. Tacos can be made... And made in a different way, depending on what state you are as well. So for me, it's been the aspect of it opened the way of how I see food as well. Not only Mexico, not, but not in different uh, cultures mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh, that's similar, like uh, something that I would prepare. But now it's just made in a different way. Right. Like Asian cuisine as well. It's there are similarities, but then at the same time, there's differences. So it helped me realize that. I can be more open when it comes to trying new things when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just 
I'm a foodie. Yeah. I love food. I love to try new things when it comes to food as well and different part of um, cultures as well. Um, but yeah, when it comes to Mexican cuisine, it's one of the most most sought out that mm-hmm. there is. Um, and it's freaking delicious. Yeah. I mean, come on, tacos, dude. Like, You can eat those every day. Hashtag tacos for life. <laughs> tacos for life. Hashtag tacos before battles. <laughs> Um, another, I, w- I want to talk about this, is uh, the culture of machi- being a machista in Mexican culture is very prominent, um, especially with the older generation. And one of those things that I always seen was I never wanted to be like that. Like, I never, ever wanted to be a type of person who tells someone you can't work. Mm-hmm. freaking hate that even when i see it today i freaking hate hearing it and it's stupid like why would you ever tell someone no you can't work like your partner it, it doesn't have to be just a wife a husband to wife it can be like two gay guys or even to a lesbian couple like they can tell each other that right it still happens and i just don't like that like so that shaped me in a sense to like i don't want to be that type of person Mm-hmm. I want to be able to tell the person who I am with, hey, go, yeah, do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Now, is it is it different if, say, they had a little baby and, the, of course, the mom or the dad had to stay back? And maybe it that wouldn't work out, right, because of childcare, how expensive it is? Would it be easier for that to, would that be easier for that, for that family to, for one parent to stay home? Yes. But I feel like whenever one person does want to work and want to do it, but then they can't because I've heard it several with several friends that like, oh, yeah, my mom couldn't work because my dad wouldn't let her. Mm-hmm. That's fucking like, no. Like, why would you ever tell someone you can't work? There is a lot of that. But nowadays mm-hmm. there is the opposite as well mm-hmm. of it, because now like we see a lot of female rising in corporations mm-hmm. as its CEOs and, you know, like running companies Mm -hmm. then we also see a lot of females being the the bread uh earners earners when Mm -hmm. it comes to it and the husband stays back and takes care of the children Mm -hmm. and takes care of the household and things like that yeah i think it's it's kind of like not even and out but it's becoming less of what we're used to seeing yeah in the in a culture yeah where it's a lot of the machismo and whatnot Mm -hmm. and more of the roles are kind of switching or they're being spread out in between that yeah. relationship. Because even growing up, I've seen people are like, I'm a man. I don't do dishes. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? It's I mean, a- I'm a man, but I just don't like doing dishes at all. Yeah. There's yeah. a difference there. Yeah. <laughs> but like for a person to really say that and mean it, it's like, Whoa. yeah. Such like, a machista type of yes. Thing. And so that, I think that type of that, that culture influence of from, that Mexican culture of influence influenced me to not want to be that type of person, that type of man. Even if it's considered to be more alpha, to be that type of man, that tougher type of person. But there's a difference, I feel like, when you're that type of person confidently to whereas you're just doing it to be a dickhead. Or yeah. because of rules of society. And I don't blame those people who, who were machista because that's what they were taught as well, unfortunately. And you still see it in culture today in mm-hmm. Mexico, like you see it. Well, even in our family, even with fam- yeah, even within people that we know, mm-hmm. like you still see it. But 
like oh my wife has to get up to prepare me the plate mm-hmm. like i can't get up and do it myself like, yeah I, I mean is it nice get up and sure do it. yeah is it nice for someone to serve you yeah sure but at the same time if it doesn't happen it, it's not something you expect mm-hmm. like she has to do it like it's never that it's it should be like no like i'm down to do it because i've seen it in relationships where like where like i do see some family members serve their husbands it's fine mm-hmm. but I hope behind the scenes it is like, no, I want to do it because I love you and I want to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Not because I feel like I have to where it's the fear comes into place. Yeah. Because yeah. like for me, like I love it if the, whenever you do serve me, like, oh, yeah, I love it. Like, but I don't never expect it from you to ever do that. You know what I mean? So it's like never one of those things that I feel I have the entitlement or like that much stuff like, oh, my spouse needs to serve me food. And see, for me, I wouldn't like that. <clears throat> I wouldn't like being served, but just like because at all, not surprisingly, not really. No, no. Uh, like I said, like just not like expected. Like no, if no. It is hap- if it does happen, oh cool, like mm. yeah. And I only say just because okay, like when we go to family functions, it's usually potluck style, right? I want to go and serve my plate. That way, I know how much I want to eat and what I want to eat. Mm-hmm. I don't want my partner to go and just fill the plate because there's food right there with whatever there is. Mm -hmm. And maybe I really didn't want that potato salad. Maybe I wanted some arroz instead, for example. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like Mm -hmm. I would rather just get up and serve myself. That way I know what I'm going to be consuming to my body and what I actually want to eat. Now what's being served to me. I I think I I see in in that perspective. And I was talking more in our household. No, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, so in our household, it was more of that. But yeah, like when we do go to family functions, like not like, hey, serve yourself, but it's like, like let's but serve see, it. Even in our household, not uh-huh. that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. even in our household, because I'm like, what if I just want four tacos instead mm-hmm. of the three tacos you're serving mm-hmm. me, for example? Yeah. Well, that's just the way that I personally see it. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you when you first moved to the United States? Can you share any memorable experiences or challenge challenges you faced during that time? Yeah. So now, when now I was seven, now I guess I can answer the question. Now <laughs> you are saying yeah, exactly. <laughs> just kidding, babe. We have a script for a reason. <laughs> Hold on, let me read it, guys. I'm just kidding. I mean, a, a guide <laughs> of questions for a reason. Yeah, it's not a script. No, um, I moved when I was seven to the U.S. with my my grandma brought me over. So when I, I moved here when I was seven, was it a huge culture shock that I can say it was different? Yes. Was I aware, was I aware of it? No. And the reason why I say that is because I adapted very easily to be, oh, this is my new normal. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I had no say in it. Like it was never like, do you want to go with your grandma? It was like, you're going with your grandma. You're going to go live with her, which I don't think I live with my grandma, to be honest. I think I live with my aunt and then I live with my dad because she was he was living with her. So I think that's that's how it was. But anyway, so I don't think I had like a huge culture shock. I just adapted very easily. And but some of the challenges that I did have were in school mm-hmm. and it sucked because with school, it's like. I was supposed to go into second grade, but then they put me back in first. Uh, so it was that. Excuse me. And so that is, that was a challenge because one, 
it kind of did put me in a position of like, oh, I'm like not as smart as you guys. So they held me back in a sense. But then I also knew it's because I didn't know the language. But one of the things that I, the way I overcame it basically is that I got better at it and I started to learn the language a lot quick, quick, like very quickly mm-hmm. that they eventually put me in the proper grade. Okay. So I di- it didn't happen overnight. So unfortunately, infor- unfortunately, I went to like three different schools the first year I was here. It was a lot of back and forth. And then my grandma moved to a different town. So then I moved in with her. I went to school there for like a month. Then they, and then in that one, they put me back into second grade when I need to be in third grade. So then it was just like a shit show because. That's a mess. It was such a mess. It was horrible. Like I would never want no kid to experience that. So. So then that happened. So basically, they put me in second grade, put me back into third grade. Then I left because I went to go live with my dad. So I went back to the other school that I first started with. And then I was in that same grade, of course. But then like two months later or three months later or something like that, then that's when I moved to Fresno because my mom was able to come. But anyway, the way that I overcame that is... I just kind of like toughed it out and I just was in flight or flight, fight or flight mode that I just had to get through it no matter what. Like I knew I had no words, no, no say in it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. So like I knew I had no say in it. So it was just kind of like one of those things that I got to get through it no matter what. And it's tough it out, tough it out. <coughs> yeah. So I had to tough it out and just have that. Um, thinking and that's how I developed that thinking that I just have to get through it no matter what mm-hmm. so I developed that type of mindset so early on that it was just it progressed into as I was getting older yeah so that's a big challenge that occurred to me mm-hmm. when I first left for me personally it was it was well first we came here when I was eight years old. We were here for four years, then we went back to town, to our hometown. <coughs> Excuse me. You're done? I think so. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I've been sick the last couple of weeks, and it's been like... It's just that lingering cough that you have Yeah, now. it's been so bad, and apologize for that. Yeah. Um, so came here when I was eight years old, then we went back when I was 12, then we came back when I was 16, and then we stayed here. Um, so for me, the first challenge that I needed to adapt to was definitely, definitely the language. Um, I started in the ESL classes, English, second language, something. There's a, another acronym, I think. ESL is English second language. Just that, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I started there and when I was going there, I just felt so dumb. I felt so dumb because it was like they were teaching the uh, the ABCs, the numbers, the uh, common, like basically back in kindergarten, but as in elementary. So I felt so dumb going to, to classes like that. How old were you, did you say? I'm sorry. Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Um, but then even the second time that I came, mm-hmm. that we came, I was still in some ESL classes still just because I, we I had... Uh, for years of schooling over there and it's just so interesting just because so that happened the first time the esl classes and, and things like that i learned the language 
obviously I have my accent. So, and that's something that I always struggle with just because there's always that, that, um, when I'm speaking like right now, right. I'm speaking in English, but then sometimes my thoughts are in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So I get stuck sometimes in words or my accent comes out because my brain is working a different way than what I actually want to, to communicate mm -hmm. and vice versa with Spanish. When I'm speaking with Spanish, it's like I'm thinking in English. So yeah, so it's, it's always that, the conflict that I'm dealing with internally. So that happened. And then when we went back, when I was 12 years old, um, they wanted me to put me in the lower grade in Mexico because I didn't know, I didn't have like the schooling and the years mm -hmm. and, and all that. And I remember one of the teachers was like, yeah, he doesn't even know the history of, of Mexico. And I'm like, I told him verbally the, the history. And my mom was like, there it is. Like, what, what's your objection? <laughs> so, and this was in the school that it was, how do I put it? It was a preppy school. Oh, yeah. Just because that's where the, the town that we were in and, and, and wanted because of my grandparents and stuff like that. So, but my mom was like, fuck this. No, like, I'm not going to leave my, my child in the school. So she literally took me out of that school and moved me to another, like, Colonia, another county mm -hmm. of, of school. And it was, like, super low-key and, and chill and whatnot. And the principal in that one was like, no, yeah, he's going to start in this one. Like, he has the education and things like that. So, yeah, he's not going to be held back a grade because of he was in the United States. So even going back home um, when I was 12... There was that conflict as well of not belonging mm -hmm. just because I I was going back into education over there, but I didn't really have the conocimiento, I guess you, you can say, of like the, the full history and language and things like that. And then we came back the second time um, and that was still a struggle, too, mm -hmm. just because now it's I was in going into high school. So I did, I guess technically I did my freshman year in Mexico and then sophomore, that's where I started here. So sophomore, obviously college and things like that. So that for me was a huge struggle because I'm like, the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I just knew what I wanted to do over there, which was because where we're from, it's a huge tourist uh, town, mm -hmm. like huge, huge tourist. So I was going to go more into... Um, uh, hotel tourism and management and business and things like that. So when they started talking to me about college, here, I'm like, I don't know, like what's what's good here, <laughs> kind of <laughs> like, here? yeah, like what what's popping, got, what what's you guys popping got here, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> we got everything, but some, uh, but ninety percent of it's worthless. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's agriculture, so whatever you want to <laughs> do within agriculture, that's where you can focus on. Um, so that was a struggle mm -hmm. for me. And I guess in essence, when it comes to the overall struggle, it was my education just because I was from one place to another, to another, to another. Um, so I feel like I never got a full educational experience, experience when it came to, to, to that, just because I moved a lot, not a lot, a lot, but I moved a lot between two countries. Yeah. So there was no stability. Mm -hmm. they, it didn't, uh, I didn't have any stability. So when I graduated high school and the only reason why I went to college was because of my high school counselor. Mm -hmm. She had the, um, the ESL 
uh, students. And that's what that was her main job, basically. Mm-hmm. It's don't focus on any other children. You're just going to do ESL students. And she pushed the heck out of us. Like it was, I think, a group of 10 that were like the core core. Yeah. And all 10 went to college. I don't think everybody graduated, but the ones that graduated, I think they have like their master's and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So I know because of the work that she has done and con- is continually doing because she's still a counselor. So um, uh, because of what she has been doing, it has been helping a lot of students. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a huge blessing just because I do hear a lot of other kids that went to high school and had like shitty counselors. Like mm-hmm. they were kind of like, oh, this is what you got to do. So go figure it out type yeah. of thing. But with her, it was, no, you're going to come to my office. We're going to submit the application uh, together. These are going to be your options. You're going to select something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like the parent that held your ha- your hand mm-hmm. and walked you through every single step of the way. Yeah. So she's the only reason why I actually went to college. Um, and then after that, obviously, that was just my choice. Uh, it got too freaking expensive for me. And my parents couldn't afford for me mm-hmm. to for me to help me with college. So I had to drop out. Yeah. Um, and just that's how life went. Um. But yeah, it was the education part that was, that was a struggle. It was a struggle, um, but it was an experience mm-hmm. and I learned a lot from it. Yeah. And see, that's great. Not, not that it's crazy, but it's interesting how you say you never felt, you never felt you had an educate a proper education. Did you say proper education? What was the word? Yeah. A proper. full education or something like, like that? Yeah, the full educational experience. Of educational experience. From kindergarten uh-huh. to high school, let's just say. <laughs> because I never, I never like realized that either. Like I never thought of like, oh, I never had an educational experience. One thing I did, I did, um, I did, what did I, the one thing I did realize that didn't happen within me was that I never had the, not to say a core group of friends, but I didn't grow up with like a certain group. Like it, I always had to make a fr- friends like every other year, every year mm-hmm. because of all the moving around. And I still struggle with that as an adult where like, should I become close with someone or not? Because in two years or in a year, maybe that can go away. Like I'm probably gonna move, so what's the whole what's point, the whole of, point of it? And that that is so you right now. Yeah, I can see it. and so <laughs> we'll see. That's the thing. It's just it's hard. Like you're traumatized. Yeah, it is a trauma. You're traumatized because of the fact that you're like you're because in the beginning I did put myself out there right to grow those relationships, but now they're gone. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are a lot of those are gone. Even the ones I've gone, I've have had through high school, they are gone, and. And so it's very difficult to do that even if you're as an adult, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, but that I'm just going back to that part where you said about the the education part because for me, I'm just like, I never thought about it that way. Like I and never got know, a full-length education part. Not that you talk about friendships. If you would ask me, so like up until being eight years old and before, mm-hmm. I really couldn't tell you anything about friendships. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't recall my friends. I don't recall who I, I hung up with and things like that. And that was back in Mexico. Yeah. But there's a reason uh, for that. Um, after eight years old, which is the year, the, the age that I came to United States, I did create those friends. Mm-hmm. And 
I created um, uh, a couple friendships, actually. Super cool on, and whatnot. Then we went back back to Mexico. I tried to do the same thing, creating friends, but it was such a different vibe. Yeah, It was kind of like, uh, how would I explain it? They saw me as a kid that came to from the United States to Mexico. So now he's all like... Uh, oh, over there. Yeah, in Mexico. About, you're talking in about Mexico. Mexico when yeah. you went back over there. Yeah, oh, when I okay. moved back. So, yeah, so when I moved back to Mexico, it was hard for me to make friends over there because they saw me as a kid that came back to the from the United States. So he's all like rich and things like that, yeah. which was completely uh, bullshit. Um, so it was hard for me to make friends. So I really didn't have genuine friendships mm-hmm. from ages 12 to 16 in Mexico. Then when I came back... When we came back at age 16, um, the two friends that I had in elementary when I was first here, uh-huh. we were going to the same high school. So we kind of like reconnected, reconnected in a way, but it's, it was just kind of weird because it's high school. Like yeah. they all, they have their own clique and who they hung out with and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And I tried to come in into the group, but it was just a different vibe. Like yeah. we weren't vibing. Um and then when I was in high school, it was like, yeah, I had a couple of friends, but it was never, I never had that high school experience with a group of friends and yeah. let's hang out and have lunch and yeah. do things like that. I mean, the only friend that I really hung up with was Sam. Yeah. Like that's my, my high school, my high school friend. Mm-hmm. And she's really the only person that I could say like, yeah, we went out to lunch and things mm-hmm. like that. But you know how you see in now and like, there's like five, six people yeah. kids that hang out and have but they know each other from like elementary yeah. type of thing like we don't have that yeah and i so. think that's i think that's what i meant is have that friendship experience mm-hmm. yeah i never had i've never really had i've had a great friends don't get me wrong great friends great friendships um but i, I never like where i grew up with them and not mm-hmm. to say everyone does that right i guess not everyone experiences that but it I think it would be nice because I still see I still I see some old friends from high school who stay connected with other friends, mm-hmm. and I'm like that's pretty cool. You know, since they've known each other since they're 15, now they're 30. That's 15 years of great friendships there. So I think I think that's that's really nice to see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what it so is. So let's address the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. What are some stereotypes or misconceptions about Latinx culture that you've come across and how do you tackle them? I think you kind of talk about like the whole machismo part of it. Yeah, that also, I think in our media, especially here, like with the way they portray Mexican culture. Or is that a different question? Yes. <laughs> Would you like me to answer that? Yes, first. Answer it. Yeah. Before. So, what are some stereotypes or misconceptions about our culture that you've come across and how do you tackle them? Um I one of them that I really, really see a lot is how a lot of citizens from United States are like all oh, those Mexicanos are just stealing their jobs. Mm-hmm. I hate when I hear that either on TV or in person. I've heard it a couple of times. And I see that as a huge misconception just because, bro, it has been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
you just haven't been willing to actually go into the fields and work, pick up the grapes or or, or pick up the strawberries or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Construction, there's the majority of the construction folks are Latinos or in Latinas mm-hmm. because that's just how it, it gets done. So I hate when I, I hear that just because the opportunity has always been there. Nobody has really gone and, and done it until other folks from other countries come and actually start doing it. And now it's being seen as, oh, now you're still in my job. Mm-hmm. No, dude, it's been there the whole time. You've just been lazy and not getting up to, to do it. Yeah. So that's one of the misconceptions that or stereotypes. Uh, I hate when, when I see that. Um, another one, it could be just the fact that just because you're brown, now you're labeled as this person that came from a, from another country. Mm-hmm. And now there's other folks that have been born here um, and that are able to to have the same opportunities as well as someone that is a citizen. But just because you're a different color doesn't mean that you came straight from another country. Mm-hmm. Like, don't have that stereotype on, on people. Don't label people right away. Like, get to know them, genuinely get to know them. Yeah. And then just go from there. And then on the other side, and I see this a lot, is I don't, I hate when I see people that only know English that are first generation here. Mm-hmm. And now the the folks from like, for example, right, Mexico, that see them and they're like, oh, you don't speak Spanish? Like, mm-hmm. how shameful is that? Mm-hmm. Like that person was born here. Their parents, maybe they started talking English mm-hmm. when when they started school or when they went to work and whatnot, and it was just not implemented. But those don't shame upon that person just because they don't know the Spanish language from where the family is from. Mm-hmm. Like, just let them be. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong about that. Yeah. Now, if they start learning the language on their own, then that's freaking awesome. Yeah, um, I've always said that with my future children, like I do want to teach them the Spanish language. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I do want to implement our household. Um, but it's not going to be like, you have to know Spanish. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way you cannot know Spanish. Like if that kid chooses at age 15, 16, 17, and not to really speak Spanish anymore, then I'm not going to make that, that child feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, if you're choosing that, then that that's fine. Yeah. Just don't get mad when we're talking Spanish and you don't know what the heck we're saying. <laughs> and also, it's actually been, depending on where you live in the country, it's very beneficial for you to learn Spanish. Yeah. Or any other, or uh, you can get Chinese. Better pay. Or what's the other, there's a third language where it's very prominent here in the States. Um, so, like, if you know that second language, it's beneficial. You get better pay. You get, you have more opportunities and so that's where I know that's not being seen because piggyback on what you said about the cult, the language part, um, older first generation Mexicans were taught not to speak Spanish because it was looked down upon back in the 70s and 80s. Right. So sorry, 60s and 70s. So then here in the United, here States. In the United States, mm-hmm. so they were never taught because it was shameful back Mm -hmm. then right it was considered shameful back then for people to learn so as they grew up they don't know that language either and so or if they do they don't really say that you do 
mm-hmm. or if they do, they don't really speak it that much. And I've seen that uh, in firsthand. So then that translates to like now their children for sure are not because of the fact that they were they knew the language. But then right. somewhere in between when they were growing up, they were told, don't talk it. Mm-hmm. Or they changed their names. Like they changed their names from um like from Maria Juan, to Mary. Yes. Or Juan to like John. John. Like with that name change literally it has happened. I've never seen it in my life up until the last several years where like, wow, people actually did that. Mm-hmm. Like people birth names aren't their certificates, on their licenses is Maria, but at work it's considered Mary. Like, no, it's Mary. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think that because like, like it's, it's sad. It's sad. Not crazy. It's sad to see that because like that's losing part of their culture. Now, unfortunately they had to do that. And I think it was more survival, right? Because when yeah. you are an immigrant coming from a different country, there is fear. There is fear. Cause you're coming to a whole new culture you're coming into. And if you're already a target cause you're from somewhere else. That's that's got to be a lot more pressure, a lot more. Okay, how do I fit in instead of how do I stand out? And luckily now we're in a society more of like, which, (coughs) excuse me, where I feel we are trying to be more like individualism is more not frowned upon. What's the other word? Like, it's great. It's encouraged. It's encouraged. There you go. That's the word. It's encouraged for you to. Be individual, be an individual, you know, try to be a little bit different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's I feel like it's kind of making that turning point. And I think with the whole like name change and whatnot, we saw it just because we're more exposed to it in the Asian culture. Yeah. In the Asian culture, that's where I have noticed it the most because they came to the, the, the United States with their original name from where the, the country that came from. But now they change it to like Tommy or like Lisa where their actual driver's license name is like totally completely something different. In, something in their language. Yeah, something mm-hmm. in, the, in their language. So I can't. I wouldn't be able to say. It, yeah, no, but me yeah. neither. But yeah, that's that's a great a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, so mainstream media often paints a certain picture of Latinx identity. What's your take on those portrayals, and what do you what would you like to see change? Okay, so definitely. We're not exaggerations. We're not crazy. We're not savages, like wild and loud and all this other stuff. And not to say we as an all-encompassing, but like people are normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's especially, so like I was telling you about it, like in Blue Beetle, like it's an exaggeration, right? The main character gets a new job, so then everyone, the whole family shows up to to like the first day of work mm. to cheer him on. That doesn't happen. And if it does happen, then it happens. But now with everyone, like it just, it doesn't happen. Like, and like the exaggeration of like loudness and like they bump their music all loud, like just that type of thing really. Not that it, it I mean, it does bother me, but it's like, it just needs to be portrayed as we're just another we're just human beings, mm-hmm. right? Are we a little, are Mexican culture different than American culture? Yes, it is, but not to that exaggeration point, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's where it needs to shift and change of like, let's really see how it is to, for people to, to, um, 
to who who are Mexican, right? And another thing that I've seen also is like, oh, Mexicans have a lot of kids. Well, first of all, a lot of people had a lot of kids earlier, basically like in the seventies, eighties. Yeah. Now that's switching as a society as a whole. Some people still do, but the majority are not. The majority is like one or two. Like that's changing. So it's not just the Mexican culture that have a lot of kids, quote unquote. No, it's everyone. Like everyone was having a lot All of kids. cultures. Cult, you know, it was three, I believe it was three or four plus. Mm-hmm. All cultures. Yeah. yeah. And now it's shifting to like one max, two. I mean, my grandma, I think she had like 12 kids. Yeah. Total. And yeah, that was back then. And then society was different. Money was different. The economic was different. So yeah, back then, yes, I could say that, but not, not to the, not just like Mexican cultures. It was in America as well, mm-hmm. American culture as well. So then now it's like no, it's shifting. So that's another another thing that the media portrays. We're like, oh yeah, they're all like that. They have a lot. They have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say it still. Like, and of course, it's white people who say it, um, and not to like put them down but like unfortunately there's the ignorance of like and i heard it by standard like in a bystander way where like oh yeah like my son's wearing a mexican woman so you know that she's fertile or she's gonna have a lot of kids mm. so it's like well first of all that's stereotyping and sadly that's your son's wife mm-hmm. like not sadly that she's your son's wife but like you're talking about your son's wife sadly that you're talking about yes. her that way yes yeah unfortunately like it's like no you should just embrace it and who knows maybe she's never gonna have kids who knows you know so it's like one of those things you're already stereotyping people are stereotyping and and yeah i think that's one of the things that i wanted to to change mm-hmm. for me when i think when when i read the question i thought about the novelas that are made here in the united states as how when i yeah when i was younger but here in the state from the states from the states oh, yeah like which ones novelas made in the states like especially the ones from like miami that are originated right there so a lot of those novelas look it up there's a lot a lot of those novelas are the dramatic hmm. portrayal the a lot of makeup the it's just a casual dinner but i'm gonna wear my gown mm-hmm. it's a lot of the i'm a drug dealer it's a lot of the i'm a low life person mm-hmm. type of uh type of uh stereotype that that they they give so it's i've seen that a lot so there's that image of it when it's being portrayed on the media that latinos are looked that way right but then at the same time it's those type of like uh, novelas for example right that are made here in the united states that are being watched like for example in mexico then that also gives a portrayal of latinos living that type of lifestyle mm-hmm. so now every single uh, mexicano that goes comes to the united states is going to have that lifestyle mm-hmm. the big house the nice car the nice clothes the, the things which yes some of them do mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen to every single one of them mm-hmm. right because i know like for example some of my family members they think that we are like super wealthy just because we live here in the united oh, states yeah. i'm like no we're, I, i'm not <laughs> like i'm not i'm not that that type of wealthy wealthy person here in the united states so they think like oh let me ask him for some money or every christmas send me some gifts or anything like that mm-hmm. like 
now I'm barely making it so I can give some gifts to my family. You want mm -hmm. me to send some over the sea, right? So that type of betrayal from the media that is always seen publicly in that way, um, it gives that connotation, which I've seen those those two types. Mm -hmm. So that would be something I would like to see the change of it is like don't bang. again, it's TV, right? So they mm -hmm. have to make it dramatic that way it's enticing for people to watch and yeah. and it's the whole it's entertainment. But it's not the right type of enter in my own personal opinion, it's not the right type of uh entertainment being that needs to be shown or portrayed from mm -hmm. any, any heritage. Um, and then the whole aspect of, and I've seen, I've actually seen a documentary, but I forgot who was the artist. They have to sometimes, let's just say they're naturally black hair. They have to eventually change their tones to a lighter tone. Mm -hmm. That way they're seen more friendly or more, uh, enticing on TV mm -hmm. because they look too cultural from from just having black hair right yeah, yeah. so now you have to be a blonde mm -hmm. mexican on tv because now it's going to look a lot nicer you're going to look more refined now there's a lot of beautiful women that have black natural black yeah. hair and they still look super elegant and really good on tv and things like that so yeah. a lot i've seen a lot of the media that does those switches especially within women that they have to change how they appear mm -hmm. um because now they're going to be seen on TV. so or, or even be because I've seen stuff like on TikTok where like, oh, I, you know, I'm dating a Latina when I have to stay silent when she says what so goes. Something like that. Yeah. You know, so like I've seen those too. And it's not just people, white people who post that. There's black people that post that kind of stuff too. Or like, oh, I'm dating a Latina, so I got to be careful what I say because she'll act up or something like, like stuff like that. And, and it's she'll like, get loud. She'll get loud. There you go. That's the word. That's exactly what... Um, what I was thinking of. And it's just like, no, not everyone's like that. Mm -hmm. And it's what are you seeing on TV, right? What is the portrayal? Now, are some people like that? Are some Latinos like that? Are some white people like that? Are some black people like that? Yes. Because mm -hmm. that's a whole different, like, the stereotypical, you know, like how they portray black people, too, in media. Mm -hmm. That's how they portray them, too, is loud and obnoxious. But it's not. Yeah. So it's like that shapes, that shapes the culture of, that shapes their culture, which from our point of view, that's supposed to be, that's how they are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not right, because then you're not really getting to know the individual person. You're getting yes. to know them by already stereotyping them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's why I actually enjoy watching like the Tyler Perry movies, mm -hmm. just because he does a lot of the change in his movies. Mm -hmm. He does the whole the entrepreneurial, the successful person is the African-American guy mm -hmm. or African-American woman that dresses up nice and, and, and why not? It's never the stereotypical betrayal where the African-American is a thug or a drug dealer mm -hmm. or drives a beat up car with some really nice uh, rims and all that. Mm -hmm. So like those type of movies, like entertainment, I do like to, to watch because it's not your stereotypical one. Mm -hmm. It's, He's doing right by for the, for, for the culture and it's being portrayed in, in the in the image as well. So different things like that. Yeah. So are there any traditions or customs that you would like to bring back into your adult life? Uh, from my childhood into my adult life. Mm -hmm. Yes, from childhood, sorry. Um 
I think it has to do something with food. What was it? I know I had mentioned it. You said you want to eat more tortillas. It wasn't the tortillas part. No? No. Oh. Buñuelos. Oh, buñuelos. Oh, buñuelos. Mm. Or capirotada, too. That's so... Again, it, it has to do with food. Um, In my family, and it, it's because from Mexico to come to the United States, I have a huge family in Mexico. In the United States, it's like five, six of us, seven maybe. Um, so one of the things I would love to see in the future is for us to start gathering as a whole family with my Mexico family and the United States family within the holidays, like mm -hmm. Christmas, for example. That's a huge holiday that we always get uh, uh, are together just because it's it's just I miss that feeling. Because I see it with your family, you guys have a huge, huge family. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the the ones that do get together, it's probably like half of the size of the family that, that is from the whole total, right? And I see like the interaction, the brothers, the uncles, the aunts, the cousins, and all that. Mm -hmm. And I miss that interaction within my family. Mm -hmm. So I wish we could do that um, in the future, and I hope we do. Um, and then another thing that I don't know if you were going to say this, but I liked what you said, or maybe I brought it up is the fiestas. Oh How yeah. In the, I mean, I don't, I've never experienced that. Yeah. Because where mm. the town that I'm from is very, um, it's not, it's Cusco. not, um, very rural, rural, rural. What do you mean? It's rural? not like very, uh, how do I say it? It's not like a ranchito, ranchito, uh -huh. but it's also not like advanced events as in city. So it's like right? both. It's like a, in it's a combination of, of like traditional and whatnot uh -huh. with new technology and things like that. I guess you can, yeah, yeah. I can explain the, the best. So we do have our fiestas patrias uh -huh. every single, single year with the saints and the whole church and, and things like that. And that's something that I, I do miss because we would go to like, um, the plaza and then like the vendors and mm -hmm. then the cuetes too. And then, um, throughout the whole week that would have like, a oh my gosh, what's it called? Where they have like the toros and the horses and all that, uh, jaripeo. Mm -hmm. They, from my hometown, there's like a huge jaripeo, like the, the whole arena too, where they have the bulls and, and things like that. So I missed that experience. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would want to bring back to. My adulthood. Yeah, to do that. Mm -hmm. I think I only have one. And the one is, um, I don't think, I don't think we've like did a full blown of like, um, Coco, the movie with the ofrendas. Oh, the ofrendas. So it's not like, de los muertos. yeah, it's not like that type of thing, but like even just a little corner in like our bookshelf or a little corner in our home or wherever, where like, Cause I've have, I mean, you, I don't think, I believe you said you really haven't experienced that, but, um, I've, I've experienced it. And I think as a kid, you kind of just don't accept it. Not, mm -hmm. you don't accept it. You just don't know how to deal with it. And it's not like you're shown how to deal with it. How to deal with what? Grief. So okay. like, I mean, I've lost cousins. I've lost uncles and stuff. So then like to, cause I still remember, I have memories of them. And, mm -hmm. and so like it, it, plane or with my uncle like he would always like give me like a like he would i don't know what it's called with your head like he'll like 
Yeah, kind of like stuff like that. Or like he would always bring me stuff from when I lived over there. He would bring me stuff from here. And so like I remember those. I have those memories. Right. So it's like one of those things that at the end of the day, like we should have a space for him. Mm -hmm. Why not? And then even like my other uncle who he passed when I was very young. I think I was like three or four. Very vivid uh, memories. But everyone always said, oh, he protected you a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he protected you a lot because um, he was um, I don't, he was handicapped. I just don't know what form, if it was autism or if it was Down syndrome or what. But he knew what he was doing and he said he was very protective, protective of you. He's like, someone did something to you or make you cry. He would like beat them up. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so. So, I mean, I still see the picture. I still remember the picture and stuff. So it would be nice to kind of have that. I want to say like a respect mm-hmm. and like memory of, of people. Yeah. Who have, who have been part of my life who now I can do that. Yeah. And I believe it's more like to honor them. <laughs> yeah. To still love them and show that yeah. they're being cared for as well. Yeah. And it's not like just a memory of like, how do you say it? Like, it's just, cause you know how sometimes they, say, Oh, let them rest. Quit talking about them, stuff like that. But I feel like they're all resting already and you're just remembering the good things. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So our, one of the closing questions that we have is, um, are there any traditions? I just asked that. Wait a second. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't mess with the iPad, baby. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay. Never mind. We're done. Cut. That's a wrap, guys. <laughs> I was thinking of, yeah, never mind. What were you yeah. thinking of? I was just thinking. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Thank so you guys. Nice. We appreciate your watching, listening. Um, I hope this gives you a little bit of insight just of how we grew up and how we grew up Latino and our tr- little travels over here and what happened, you know, when we made that big change to over there to, from here to the States. So, yeah, don't forget to like, su- uh, comment, subscribe. Let us know how, you know, how we're doing, what you like, what don't you dislike. I mean, I know it's tough for people to say, Oh, I don't like this, right? Or maybe it's tough for people to hear that, but at just the end be of, open. Be just open be about open. it. That's and what we like about every and the pers- and we're we're easily we're able to take that. Like we're the, easily to accept different perspectives yes. and point of views. And whether we agree with it or we don't, that's it. Like yeah. oh, okay, like oh, you guys are not organized. Oh well, okay. Are you doing this podcast or are we? <laughs> Then you're uh-huh. going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I appreciate everybody uh, listening and watching. We love uh-huh. you all. Um, and he, like he said, just subscribe, like, and share our episodes. And remember, this is Vida by Design, where life is your canvas. And you are the artist. All right. Love you all. See you next love time. Bye-bye. See you next time.